You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. So great to have you join us now in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. I'm excited, Michael, because today we begin a month-long series on the cycle of discipleship. And uh, we're going to hear from the late Dr. Bill Lane here in just a few moments. Yeah, it's just wonderful to hear his voice and to hear his heart. What a remarkable man. What a privilege it was that we got to spend time with him. Yeah. Speaking of spending time, it's, uh, it's actually mid-morning when you and I are talking right now uh-huh. for us. But uh, are you an early riser? Uh I am an early riser, but I don't. I stay. I stay up late too. I, I do both ends of the spectrum. I think yeah. sleep sleeping is a <laughs> okay. big waste of time. <laughs> well, I'm I'm an early riser, but I cannot stay up very late. Uh-huh. So we are different in that regard. But uh, hey, it's so appropriate that we have the Disciple Study Bibles, our featured resource this month, as we start this series on discipleship. Yeah. So check that out from CSB and Lifeway, the Disciples Study Bible. How about a couple of listener responses? It's so encouraging to hear from our listeners around the world who are listening to this podcast. Here's Dave. I don't know where Dave lives, but he says, thanks for the podcast. Love your conversations with Kirk, Kirk Whalem and Denny or Denny Denson. Denny Denson's song on the Hidden Face of God CD is special to hear. So to hear an in-studio version is a bonus. Keep up the good work. Cheers. Mm. That makes me think maybe he's uh, from England. In England. What do you think? Yeah, I I thought the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Think so? All right. Okay. One more, Bob wrote to us, and he says, Great podcast. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, who would make the deaf hear, the blind see, and set the prisoners free. How ironic that when John himself was in prison, Jesus did not set him free. God does not always do what we expect him to do, and that can be a bitter pill to swallow, but bless God for giving us the gift of lament so we can bring him our bitterness and offer it to him in worship. And he says, Ginny Owens is the best. Keep the conversations, teaching, and songs coming. Yeah, Bob, I, I, I do. I love that moment when John sends his disciples to Jesus, uh, and the question is, uh, are you the Messiah, or should we look for someone else? This is the person who leapt in his mother's womb mm-hmm. when he was <laughs> he was the first person to recognize <laughs> who Jesus was. And uh, I've, heard, yeah. I've heard people try to explain their way out of this and say, oh, John was just doing this for the sake of his disciples. He didn't really doubt Jesus. I think that misses the point. I think Jesus failed to meet John's mm-hmm. expectations. He didn't think he'd die in prison, have his head chopped mm-hmm. off and give it to a dancing girl. Whoever saw that coming? But uh, I think the point is mm-hmm. you, you lift up that confusion as an act of worship and you stay connected to God that way. Yeah. Thanks for your note to us, Bob. Yes. Speaking of Bob's, Bob Baki, Dr. Bob Baki joins us in the second half of the program today to talk about prayer. But first, Michael sings, then we'll hear from Dr. Bill Lane. The song is the hymn, Take My Life. Take my hands and let them 
Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne, it shall be thy royal throne. Well, that's Michael Card here with us in the studio, and our guest this week is Dr. Bill Lane. Bill? That hymn focuses attention upon our saying yes to the call of God upon our life. But I think it's worthwhile asking, what stands behind our yes? Mm -hmm. And clearly what stands behind the yes that we say to God is the call of God upon our life expressed through Jesus who calls us into discipleship. Well, Bill, we want to talk about what you call the cycle of discipleship, and we're going to talk about it today. And Michael, we can see where this is leading. We want to spend some time with this. We're going to do this over the next few weeks. We are. And uh, could you give us an overview, before we get into the first step, could you give us an overview of the cycle of discipleship? What do we mean by that? Yes. The cycle of discipleship begins with the call of Jesus upon our lives to be with him. And he engages us in a number of situations in which participate in ordinary life and extraordinary life as well. Mm -hmm. We are with Jesus in the situation. After we have been with him, the cycle moves into a second phase. We are commissioned to speak his word Hmm. and to do his work. We cannot do that until we have been with Jesus. The cycle then advances to still a third stage, when after we have been out speaking his word and doing his work, we come back and report to him all that we have done and all that we have taught. And then we hear Jesus say to us, Now come and rest and be with me in new situations. Mm. And the cycle continually renews itself. So it's not that we're in one point in the Christian life all, all the time. This cycle is repeating in each one of our lives as we follow Christ. If we are to follow the gospel pattern, yes, Michael. Mm. I think that it's all too easy, however, to be caught up in a period in which we're with Jesus, or to be Mm -hmm. caught up Mm -hmm. in a period in which we're doing the work of the ministry. That's my problem. I I get stuck there thinking, well, that's what I'm called to do. You know, Jesus' word, Jesus' work, just like you taught me, Bill. And that's where we become like a record that is stuck (laughs) and it's skipping, (laughs) and and we wonder, what is wrong? Yeah. And the answer is, we have not heard the call, now come apart, and rest a while, and Mm. be with me in new situations, for I have yet more to teach you. Mm. I've never thought about it in terms of this this cycle, as you call it, Bill, the cycle of discipleship. Well, uh, we're going to devote uh, this program and the next two programs of Joy in the Journey to this topic, so can we cover cycle number one there Yes, we can. And the place to begin is actually in Mark chapter 3, Verses 13 to 15. We love to get to the scripture passage here and actually hear it. Michael, why don't you read it for us? Okay. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him 
and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now, what's interesting about that passage is that it's preceded by a paragraph where we see Jesus in the midst of the multitude. Mm -hmm. He's on the shores of the Lake of Galilee. From the south, that is, from Judea, from Idumea, from the regions to the east, the regions across the Jordan, the regions from the north, Tyre and Sidon, crowds of people keep on coming to Jesus, and he's engaged in ministry of proclamation. He is teaching them concerning the kingdom of God. He's also engaged in mercy ministries. We read that he healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. And whenever evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, Why, you are the Son of God! And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. We see Jesus in the midst of the many. Then the surprise comes with verse 13. Jesus withdraws from the crowds and gives his attention to the few. He went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted And they came to him, and he pointed twelve that they might be with him. That brings us into the first phase of the cycle of discipleship. And the key phrase here is that they might be with him. That's that's your point, Bill. Yes. And, of course, the appointment of twelve was not something incidental. The twelve tribes of Israel we're now going to have, as it were, a new configuration. Here was the beginning of a new Israel that would be sensitive to God's covenant relationship with his people. And the interesting fact is, to these 12, impressive promises are made. And these are not impressive men, are they? This is not the creme de la creme. I've heard you talk about that. (laughs) That's true, and that's the point uh, that I would uh, want to move on to in just a moment. But let's hear the promise. Okay. Fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom, and you will sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. But as you have said, Michael, they are not particularly impressive in themselves. They are not those we would have chosen if we had a program for world mission. Hmm. Now, take for an example this man, Bartholomew. If you were to take a little three-by-five card and write his name in the upper left-hand corner and had as an assignment to write on that card everything that you know about this man. (laughs) Not only would you be reduced to a sentence or two, but you might well be wrong in what you had written down. Really? You would say, of course, he was one of the twelve. That's correct. You would say, secondly, we know his name, and that's incorrect. Hmm. Bar is simply the Aramaic word for son. We know the name of his father. His father's name was Tolmai. He was simply known as the son of Tolmai. 
but we don't even know his own personal name. But do you know I find the greatest encouragement in that? Jesus wanted this man to be with him. That was the significant fact. Hmm. And the truth of the matter is, while you and I have had a close relationship, Michael, most of our listening audience do not know my name. And yet I am one of those that Jesus wanted to be with him. Mm -hmm. And that's the significant fact Mm -hmm. that sets me apart as one upon whom the call of God has come and a call to which I want to be responsive. Mm -hmm. Well, Bill, knowing just that much, I mean, God uses us as ordinary people. Indeed, he does and involves us in ordinary situations that he might be an extraordinary God uh, to us in the midst of those situations. Now, what's interesting is that in the Gospel of Mark, there follows six sections, as it were, in which we see the disciples with Jesus. So, this is phase one now. This is phase one with being with Jesus. The first section extends from chapter 320 through 35. It is a situation in which Jesus is engaged in conflict, first with his own family, who felt that his failure to eat and sleep properly indicated he had lost his mind. He was also in conflict with the biblical scholars from Jerusalem, that is to say the very best of the teachers in the land, who were convinced that Jesus was possessed by an evil spirit. So his family says he's out of his mind. The teachers of the law say he's possessed. And Jesus engages that conflict, and he engages it with the twelve. They're right there with him. Yes. And I think we need to think about that and ask why. Why does the period of being with Jesus begin with opposition from the family, opposition from some of the great religious authorities of the day. Jesus knew that the call of God cuts across the grain of our culture. It cuts across the grain of often our ambitions, Mm. our dreams, our plans. And it also cuts across the dreams that our families have for us. Yes, and what we see in this first uh, section is that Jesus knew if he was engaged in conflict because he had said yes to the call of God upon his life, we will be engaged in conflict as well. And it makes an enormous difference whether we engage conflict in our own strength or we engage it with Jesus. All right, Bill, you said that there were six, and the first is that Jesus taught them through his own encounter with conflict. Yes. Now, the second one is found in Mark 4, 1 to 35. Okay. And it's the great parable section of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus teaches in parables. And a parable is simply an extended comparison by which that which is unknown, namely the kingdom of God, is clarified by reference to that which is well known. Mm -hmm. The sowing of seed, uh, the the farming, uh, the baking of bread, uh, the catching of fish, things of these. everyday things. Very ordinary things. And perhaps the key to it all is found in verse 33 and 34, 
With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand, that is, to the crowd. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. He was trying to keep them from saying no to the call of God too quickly. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. You see, you can't speak the word of Jesus unless you've spent time with Jesus, allowing him to clarify what the call of God upon your life really means. And for Mark to give us the detail, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. That shows that this time of teaching parables was not simply for the crowd. It was specifically so that the disciples could be with Jesus to see him teach and to have those things explained. Absolutely. Never seen this that is before. Jesus as mentor. This is definitely Jesus as mentor who is doing the work of God, speaking the word of God, and preparing his disciples to do precisely that. What's the, next here, The Bill? third extends from 435 through chapter 5, verse 20. It is engagement with the demonic. Mm. Now, this is not the way that oftentimes we think about reality. We tend to deny that there is a demonic cast to life. But in the furious storm that rose at the time that Jesus was asleep and the disciples were left to their own resources, hmm. we are to hear our, in the text a reference to a demonic presence. For Jesus, you remember, is rudely awakened. He gets up, he rebukes the wind, he says to the waves, quiet, be still. He speaks to them as if they were a person. Mm -hmm. And the disciples, terrified, not only by the storm, by, but what has happened in the subsiding of the storm, say, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They are in the presence of the one who confronts the demonic. The students are learning here. <laughs> well, I had never seen this before now, but that's the same thing he will say to demoniacs. Be quiet. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, the best translation, Michael, would be be muzzled. Mm. Be muzzled. Be still. Well, that's followed immediately by the account of an encounter with a demoniac, a person the center of whose personality has been taken over by demonic powers. And Jesus brings a remarkable release to this man, and the disciples are with Jesus. Now, why? Jesus knows that if he encounters the demonic in the course of a ministry that is given to the glory of God, they will encounter the demonic as well. Hmm. And we do not possess the personal resources in and of ourselves to confront the demonic. But to do so with Jesus makes all the difference. And that comes from being with him, as you say. I just saw something else I'd never seen. The, after the demoniac is... is cleansed or the demon is cast out. You know, he begs to go with Jesus, uh, but Jesus won't let him. Interesting to me, he hasn't been with Jesus in those other teaching, those other phases of uh, other parts of phase one. Is that... And But notice what Jesus does say to him. He says, go home to your family. 
have a ministry to your family Mm -hmm. and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Be a personal witness. Mm -hmm. And he does become a disciple for Jesus in a Gentile place as a Gentile person because God has done something remarkable for him. Mm-hmm. Bill, quickly take us through the other lessons here of yes. Jesus' encounters as mentor with his disciples. The next account, which extends from 521 through 43, brings the disciples into the confusion of disease and death. The humiliation, if you please. And Jesus came to push aside the hand of death. He came to heal that which was sick. And the disciples are with Jesus. Jesus knows that if his ministry brings him into the presence of disease and death, so will their ministry. And once again, it makes an enormous difference. Whether you stand in the presence of disease and death in your own strength, or you stand there with Jesus. The final incident, chapter 6, 1 through 6, brings Jesus into his own hometown, and there he experiences personal rejection. And the disciples are with Jesus. You see, he came with the twelve, and one of the last phases of their training before he sends them out two by two is the experience of rejection why he understands that the world turns on the axis of acceptance and rejection and yet he came to be the one who was accepted by god but frequently rejected by men and women and young people and he knew they would experience that rejection as well and once again It makes an enormous difference whether you face rejection in your own strength or you face it with Jesus. Well, Michael, we're seeing such incredible insights here today into how Jesus relates to his disciples. Bill, for those of us who are listening and seeing these things for the first time, how should we apply this? What should we be learning here as we go today? We should be learning, Wayne, that Jesus understands the situations in which we find ourselves. And we do not enter those situations alone. Not in our own strength. He enters those situations with us. We face them with Jesus. And his resources, his wisdom, his love, his compassion, his discernment, his insight is there to undergird us as we face conflict, teaching, the demonic disease and death and rejection. And we are not to face these as individuals cut off from, the, from Jesus, but those who are with Jesus. Wow. So that's the end of phase one. Now, in the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at phase two and phase three. Bill, can you give us just a little preview? Yes. After you have been with Jesus in this variety of situations, then the call may well come. Now, speak my word, do my work, and that's what we'll consider next week. Six, seven.
through 12. Yes. So then, and then what's the final phase? And the final phase is we return to Jesus in accountability, mm. and we report to him all that we have said and all that we have done, because we're not acting as free agents, but as his disciples. Mm. Indeed, we've learned so much together here. Thanks to Bill Lane. And Michael, thank you. Now, there's a song that we have chosen that we feel fits this moment. Yeah, we're going to use this as the theme song for all our programs here on Discipleship. It's called Bearers of the Light. Michael Card. The light we must bear is the light we must share is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light He will walk beside us A strong friend Barnabas He will be that sure shoulder to lean on The promise we share Is our burden to bear And our light tells the darkness to be gone The light we must bear is the light we must share Is the light that illumines the darkness The promises kept give us strength to accept This burden of bearing the light He will come after me, this young Timothy Looking for someone to guide him Kindle his light, make him strong for the fight. I will promise to be there beside him. The light we must bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. So we must claim in his powerful name The promise the Bible has spoken We must understand that a cord of three strands Cannot be easily broken The great need of us all A true mentor, a Paul Who has traveled the road that's before us He has made good the pledge to take the light on ahead. We can follow his footsteps before us. The light we must bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. Always grateful for Michael's music that ties this program together. We hope you'll share what you found in this podcast with your friends on social media. We feature programs every week and offer an extensive podcast archive of classic and current editions for you to explore. If what you're hearing today and this session about discipleship has prompted you to go deeper into God's Word, look online for more from Michael that can help. You'll find music, the latest book titled The Nazarene, and news about upcoming concerts and conferences at michaelcard.com. We're always glad to hear from listeners. Post a comment on the Michael Card Music Facebook page 
or send your comments, questions, and song requests via email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Coming up, more music and conversation waiting for you after this message in the studio with Michael Card. The Disciple Study Bible is this month's featured CSB resource. I'm glad we're partnering with the CSB. I got to see firsthand the way godly scholars work together on this Bible translation. Now I get to use the CSB in my study and teaching. There's so many types of editions available. I hope you'll find one that will help you get serious about reading God's Word. Search for the Disciple Study Bible at csbible.com and read more about this unique study tool. And when you order, apply your 40% discount on the CSB purchase through LifeWay. The Disciple Study Bible will not only guide you to unlock the meaning of the scriptures, but direct your growth as a disciple. Find a reading plan, map, study notes, and spaces to record your growth as you learn to follow Jesus. When you purchase this powerful discipleship tool, type CARD40 without spaces in the promotion code to receive your 40% discount from LifeWay. Search for The Disciple Study Bible now at csbible.com. As we continue in the studio with Michael Card, I'm going to open to Mark chapter 14 in here in just a moment, the prayer in the garden, Jesus and his disciples. We'll get there in just a moment with Dr. Bob Bakke. But Michael, before that, your song in the garden, uh, John Ketchings is going to join you on his cello here. You want to introduce the song? Yeah, this is, um, well, it's a hard song to introduce. Um, I was working on this music, and my wife heard me playing the piano, and she said, I asked her, I said, what does this remind you of? And she said, it sounds like Jesus in the garden. So <laughs> my wife is really responsible really? for this in, in a lot of ways. So you were working on just the, the, right, the melody. Right, I'm just playing it on the piano, and, and uh, yeah, uh, she said, yeah, that sounds like Jesus in the garden. Yeah. Wow. So uh, if we're going to talk about prayer, you know, this is Jesus really wrestling with prayer of all people, Jesus wrestling with prayer and conforming his will to the all Father. Right. He goes in the garden and basically says, I don't want to do this. However, not what I want, but what you want. And uh, it's a, this mm-hmm. the humanity of Jesus and his struggles. Uh, so I, I love that passage. Well, we're going to hear you sing it, but a shout out to Susan yeah. as well for this <laughs> song in the garden. And then Dr. Bob Bakke will join us.
light of the dawn was seen in the garden by gentle eyes so sadly wise. The angels appear, they come to the garden clothed with sighs. They Let's stay in the garden with Jesus and the disciples here as we bring our friend Dr. Bob Bakke into the conversation and take us to uh, teaching about prayer and the practice of prayer in the life of Peter. Bob, welcome. Well, it's a delight, you guys. I'm always thrilled to be conversing with you, and I get more out of this than I give, I'm sure. That's an odd thing about ministry. You, you, you if it's if it's working it, it always works that way i mean if ministry is in the right place you you may pour yourself out but you always discover that you uh, you receive more than you give hmm. wow let, let me take us to start the conversation into mark chapter 14 michael you sang the song in the garden here a moment ago but jesus is deeply distressed of course and he's praying he said abba father all things are possible for you take this cup away from me nevertheless not what i will but what you will Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What a a great uh, passage here. That's just a couple of verses from this. I urge our listeners, if you can, uh, to turn there and look at it with us here for the next few moments. But this reading from the CSB, by the way, Mike. Bob, how, how did that moment impact Peter in terms of his prayer life? Do you think was that a, a discouragement or an encouragement? Was that a new beginning for him? Or what do you think? Well, I think, first of all, anybody who is reading that can relate to it. Um, I think all of us have been asleep at the, at, the, at the wheel when it comes to the work of heaven. I think we, uh, we know that, that our uh, intercessions are so vital, vitally important to the work of Christ. In fact, it's our... It's uh, fundamental to our partnership with God in the unfolding of His purposes in history. Uh, it was John Wesley who said, uh, the, the rule of the kingdom is to ask, open your mouth, speak uh, your concerns, speak your, your desires. And of course, our desires are for the glory of Christ, but of course we are flesh and we, our spirits are willing, um, but we're often asleep when we should be awake and alert. So I think it's a rebuke to to our human nature, but it's also a reminder that this is what we have to fight through. 
and it's part of the discipline of a, a disciple uh, to persist. Okay, when you see what follows in Peter's life, uh, it mm-hmm. seems to me like prayer became uh, a, a central issue for him. Well, I mean, it's a it's an issue for us all, and but there are, are there are victories that he has um, in prayer. You know, for example, in Acts chapter ten, uh, when he's on the rooftop uh, praying, and God brings to him a vision, a vision of, uh, of unclean animals, and he tells them to eat. And of course, this, is, this, this presages the opening of the gospel to the, to the Gentile world. And so this is, um, this is really, really uh, you know, critical to the unfolding of the story of the, of the gospel. And, and so there, there's victory in there, but, but of course he had a great teacher, didn't he? I mean, he, what, what was modeled for mm-hmm. him, and this, is, and this is true for all of uh, discipleship. Um, Christ modeled for Peter and the disciples what it meant to be a, a praying person and, and a praying leader. Uh, he, would, you know, he withdrew in the early morning before it was a sunrise, and he was alone with God. He, before he before he chose the twelve, he prayed all night in prayer. Um, the Mount of Transfiguration, his baptism, he was praying, and God opened the heavens. So he he had a model where Peter could uh, could uh, connect the dots between this work of prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit to the glory of Christ. And I think. Um, when Pentecost came and he was among those who, who prayed for the 10 days and he saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and he experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with tongues of fire dancing on their heads and declaring to the great multitudes of, uh, of the feast goers in Jerusalem uh, the, the glories of Christ and they were cut to the heart as he preached. He had never done any of that before, but he he saw the relationship between this remarkable thing called prayer and the amazing fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit's work. Uh, and that marked him from that point forward. Bob, earlier you mentioned you know, how difficult it is for us to remain steadfast in prayer. And I mean, this passage in Mark illustrates that Jesus came back a second and a third time and, and found them sleeping. So, boy. We can identify with that, can't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you you took us into uh, Acts a moment ago. When you when you read the book of Acts and read it with the idea of looking um, at the episodes of prayer, it's it's really remarkable. You've already gone through some of them, but can we talk about more of them? Well, well, well let me let me just back up just a little bit here because um, uh, your listeners should should think in distinct terms here. There there's there's a promise given to us with regard to our devotional life. And as intercessors and as um, ones who dwell in the presence of God with his scripture in our, in our hands and with our prayers upon our lips, um, we, are, we are fulfilling on an individual basis what, what Jesus encouraged us to do in, in John chapter 15, and that is to abide in him. And, this ongoing remaining in Christ, you know, he says it nine times in in John chapter fifteen to a, 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 a remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, over and over again. And the principle 
way in which we remain in Christ, where life flows into us and our life and our intercessions flow out of us heavenward, and this exchange of lives, my life into Christ, his life into mine, uh, is through prayer and the Word. And it's this ongoing, ceaseless encounter. Pray without ceasing, Jesus told told us. And, and so there is that devotional life. There is that ongoing unity with Christ. That's the whole goal of the gospel is union with Christ, not just communion with, with him, not just being alongside of him, but union with Christ, what he prayed in John chapter 17, that we not, not only we would be one as a body of Christ, but that we would be one with him personally, that we would be in him and he would be in us. And so we, we forfeit all of that. We forfeit the blessings of that when we, when we don't pray devotionally, when we don't spend the time, when we don't overcome the flesh by the, by the Spirit. But there is also this, there's also this promise of united prayer, and that is when we pray in union with other believers. There's a, there's, in Matthew 18, it says, wherever two of you would agree as touching something, in agreement, uh, um, the Father will give you whatever you ask. We find that in, in Acts over and over again, this agreement in prayer. Even when Peter was arrested, you remember, uh, in Acts, what is it, 12, right? So he's asleep, and the people are praying. They're praying in agreement. They don't even believe when the prayer is answered, but the power of agreement and united prayer is there, too. So it's not only the devotional side. It's that I belong to the body of Christ, and when I pray with the body of Christ, in agreement with the body of Christ, united with the body of Christ, there is this remarkable promise to the body of Christ. There's, there's theological import just flowing, oozing out of all of this. And it's, I don't know, it's thrilling to me. Well, I, I, was, I was thinking of Peter's uh, uh, letter, uh, the first, his first letter uh, to these Christians that are suffering under uh, Nero after the fire and and um, under so much pressure, and I'm sure a lot of group prayer was going on in these little house churches. But one of his last bits of advice uh, is in four seven, when he says, "The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober minded, so you can pray." So it's almost like he's telling them the purpose of you holding everything together and 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 not falling apart in the midst of this persecution is simply so you can pray, mm-hmm. so you can stay connected, like you're saying, Bob, so you can stay connected with God through prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that desperate time, that's what he resorts to. Well, it is, and, and we find it all over the earth today, uh, and we find those testimonies of, of people in desperate situations Knowing that that in their desperation they have they have a choice they have despair um, or they have prayer they have despair and they don't know what to do and they lose hope or that in the in the seeking of God there is the finding of God there's the solace the solace of God and there is in that too then the body of Christ together so. Um, Yes, uh, I mean, in these tough times, and you know, uh, believe me, we're not we're not North Korea today in the United States, but we're facing pandemics, we're facing chaos, uh, political chaos, social chaos. We're 
uh, everyone's angry with one another. There's inflation. People's um, uh, people are, are stirred up, and we need each other. Uh, we need each other, and in these moments, to be clear-minded and self-controlled, so that we can pray and seek the mind of God uh, for the purposes of God in our day. So we talk about going to the Lord in prayer in moments of desperation, and it brings us right back to Gethsemane. It's a full circle, isn't it? I mean, that's what Jesus does when he's desperately um, seeking to conform his will to God's will, and um, we always go back to him. The answer is always somewhere in his life. Yes, it is, Michael. And he's not only our model, but he's our Lord. Mm. And he is the one after whom we conform ourselves and we take the lessons of, of his suffering, even as we take the, the lessons of his miraculous power. Remember, uh, it was just before he raised Lazarus from the dead, at when after he had groaned and struggled, um, he stopped. And before he spoke another word, he lifted his hands to heaven and prayed. So there's this downloading of the presence of, of God, the uploading of the of the Son into the Father and the Father into the Son by the power of the Spirit, and he speaks these words that are as powerful as let there be light, and Lazarus comes from the grave. So we have that moment, and we also have Gethsemane, when there is absolute surrender, and uh, there's grieving. So he models this for us, as he should, and we're to be like him. Hmm. And we're, we're reliant on that, on those the same graces. Mm. Yeah, and before we say goodbye to uh, Bob Baki here, Michael, may I read First uh, Peter chapter 5, where he tells us how to, how we should be, how we should act, uh, beginning at verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may mm. exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. And then verse 10, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you've suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Bob, that tells us exactly what to do, doesn't it? And it's our hope and our joy, right? Yeah. And um, maybe so. Well, Bob, thank you so much for spending um, uh, some time with us. I know you're you're recovering from not feeling very well, and uh, it's just so it's always so encouraging to talk to you and have you sort of sort uh, these issues out for us. Um, so thanks, thanks, brother. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Wayne. We're going to turn now to a song from uh, the Book of Revelation that talks about uh, how Christ is unveiled in the midst of all these persecutions. And uh, um, the song is called The Unveiling. Hear the roaring at the rim of the world, see what every eye shall see. Behold, he's coming with the clouds, setting all the captives free. 
And those who long to see this day will tremble with delight As the sea of upturned faces there is bathed in endless light I am the Alpha and the Omega The one who is and was and is to come Though I was dead, now I'm alive forever don't be afraid, I hold the keys and I have come. Once the just and gentle victim, who it seemed was born to die. See him now, a blaze of glory, as he moves across the sky. And that majestic silhouette who's come to take his bride Still bears the healing wounds upon his hands and feet inside I am the Alpha and the Omega The one who is and was and is to come Though I was dead, now I'm alive I hold the keys and I have come The great unveiling of our hope The promised jubilee The revelation of our God It's all we long to see I am the Alpha and the Omega The one who is and was and is to come I hold the keys and I have come Thank you, Michael, for the music and thanks for the conversation with Dr. Bob Bakke here today. Uh, this uh, this is week one of our Cycle of Discipleship series. We're going to continue all month long. Yeah, it's, to hear the first section uh, really whet your appetite to hear the rest of uh, Bill's ideas. And and again, this is uh, this was an idea that uh, was his kind of his last big discovery. Um, and this mm-hmm. is a man who wrote major commentaries and taught the Bible all his life. But this Cycle of Discipleship was one of the last things he discovered, and he was so excited about it. And I'm so grateful that when we first started working together, that was when uh, Bill was available to sit down in the studio with us and, and record this. So we we have right, it. Right, right. He basically came, he moved here to Franklin um, to die. He uh, he called me and said, you know, I don't have any close friends up here where, where he was teaching. He said, can I come to Franklin and show you how a Christian man dies? He'd been given six oh. months to live, and he lived 18 months, and he taught and discipled people the whole time he was uh, again. What a what a sweet, sweet, amazing, amazing man. I think one of the first times I came to meet with you in Franklin, Tennessee, I met you in a restaurant with Bill Lane. I recall that very clearly. Yeah. So uh, this is just week one of our series with Bill. We'll continue next week and all month long here on the cycle of discipleship. Uh huh. It's our prayer that the music and conversation you just heard has helped you develop a better understanding of the Bible and living the Christian life. If that is the case for you, please share your reactions to this hour. 
Post a comment on the Michael Carb Music Facebook page. Write a review on Apple Podcasts or share the link to what you've discovered on your favorite social media platform. And you can always send your reactions, questions, or song requests via email in the studio at michaelcard.com. Also, learn about Michael's books, music, and our podcast guest details at michaelcard.com and share what you've discovered on your favorite social media platform. We're glad for the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com to learn more about the great Bible editions that can aid in your personal growth as you get serious with God's Word. This month, we're featuring the Disciples Study Bible. This Bible edition will not only be a helpful guide to unlock the meaning of the Scriptures, but it will provide tools to direct your growth as a disciple. Find a daily reading plan, maps, study notes, focus on discipleship issues, and spaces to record your growth as you learn to follow Jesus. Search for the Disciples Study Bible. When you order, use the promotion code CARD40 Type with no spaces to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. The Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. Now for all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for being with us for this session in the studio with Michael Card.